Welcome to the Chicago Poetry Tour podcast, produced by the Poetry Foundation, publisher of Poetry Magazine. This is tour number two, the Art Institute of Chicago. This tour discusses the transformation of Chicago and features poetry by Lola Ridge, Stuart Dybeck, Liesl Mueller, and W.S. DiPiero. The Chicago Poetry Tour is a multimedia tour of poetry written in and about Chicago. It features a wide range of poets, set in a variety of neighborhoods and landmarks. The tour explores 22 sites around the city and showcases the dynamic and legendary history of poetry in Chicago through archival and contemporary recordings of poets and scholars, local musicians, and historic photos. You can take the whole tour for free at poetryfoundation.org. As Carl Sandburg said, Chicago is made, forgotten, and made again. Consider beautiful Millennium Park. For the entire 20th century, this area was a railroad yard, as described in this poem from 1924. Monster, with your back against the lakes, you gather the cities close, with iron reins knotted in your frozen grip. But you're sleepily That's from a poem called Chicago by Lola Ridge, who was well-known in the early 20th century as an advocate of immigrants and women's rights. Sometimes a sickness takes you. Convulsive movements pass along your length. I think there is a giant child that kicks in you, where your blood is running like a river under its ice. Stuart Dybeck is a native Chicagoan whose poetry and fiction often draw on the immigrant communities of the Pilsen neighborhood where he grew up. But one day, a downtown scene he witnessed inspired a downtown poem. And the wind was just howling down that street, and I saw two Japanese tourists trying to snap a photo. Which was difficult since the wind was blowing off their hats and scarves, so Dybeck offered to help. And after I did, there was quite a bit of grateful bowing back and forth, and uh, perhaps the only uh, real English that they knew was what they kept repeating with great, great joy. Windy City! Windy City! Which became the title of this poem by Stuart Dybeck. The garments worn in flying dreams were fashioned there. Overcoats that swooped like kites. Scarves streaming like vapor trails. Gowns ballooning into spinnakers. In a city like that, one might sail through life led by a runaway hat. The young scattered in whatever directions their wild hair pointed and gusting into one another fell in love. At night, wind rippled saxophones that hung like wind chimes in pawn shop windows hooting through each horn so that the street seemed haunted not by nighthawks but by doves. Pinwheels whirred from steeples in place of crosses. At the pinnacles of public buildings snagged underclothes, the only flag, flat majestically. And when it came time to disappear, one simply chose a thoroughfare devoid of memories, raised the collar and turned his back on the wind. I closed my eyes and stepped into a swirl of scuttling leaves. 
Stuart Dybeck. Chicago may seem an unlikely place for French Impressionism, but all the wealth generated in the late 19th century enabled some people here to buy the works of Monet, Degas, and company. Many of these paintings have since been donated to the Art Institute, where they've entered into the city's cultural life, including its poetry. I discovered Europe when I was in Chicago. I didn't just discover the sort of roughneck, blue-collar city. I also discovered something else. Poet Edward Hirsch grew up in Chicago and is well aware of the legacy of Sandberg and the city's image as a rough-and-tumble hog-butcher to the world. But for Hirsch, the city had more to offer. We also had Edward Hopper, and we also had Picasso, and we also had these you know, spectacular Matisse paintings, and we also had Van Gogh. And It seemed to me that the culture of the city, the tremendous cosmopolitanism of the city, is something that's been underplayed in our thinking about Chicago's contribution to art. We'll hear a poem by Edward Hirsch a little later. Liesl Mueller was born in Germany, but spent most of her life around Chicago. In her poem, Monet Refuses the Operation, she imagines the great Impressionist painter Claude Monet, late in life, rejoicing in his failing eyesight and refusing to have it corrected. Doctor, you say there are no halos around the streetlights in Paris, and what I see is an aberration caused by old age an affliction. I tell you, it has taken me all my life to arrive at the vision of gas lamps as angels, to soften and blur and finally banish the edges you regret I don't see, to learn that the line I called the horizon does not exist, and sky and water, so long apart, are the same state of being. Fifty-four years before I could see Rouen Cathedral is built of parallel shafts of sun. And now you want to restore my youthful errors, fixed notions of top and bottom, the illusion of three-dimensional space, wisteria separate from the bridge it covers. What can I say to convince you the Houses of Parliament dissolve night after night to become the fluid dream of the Thames. I will not return to a universe of objects that don't know each other, as if islands were not the lost children of one great continent. The world is flux, and light becomes what it touches, becomes water, lilies on water, above and below water, becomes lilac and mauve and yellow and white and cerulean lamps, small fists passing sunlight so quickly to one another that it would take long streaming hair inside my brush to catch it, to paint the speed of light. Our weighted shapes, these verticals, burn to mix with air and change our bones, skin, clothes to gases. Doctor, if only you could see how heaven pulls earth into its arms and how infinitely the heart expands to claim this world, blue vapor without end. As both a school and a museum, the Art Institute is one of the city's premier cultural establishments. It's also home to the Poetry Center of Chicago, 
which sponsors readings, workshops, and other poetry events. I uh, write about the visual arts. So when I'm in Chicago, I spend a lot of time at the Art Institute. W.S. DiPiero is a poet and essayist. One of his poems distills an experience following a visit to the Art Institute. The central thing in the poem for me was uh, those uh, starlings uh, lifting up off the tree limbs and then going back and forth in the sky. That, for me, was uh, it was an essential Chicago moment. Here's W.S. DiPiero reading Chicago and December. Trying to find my roost one lidded late afternoon, the consolation of color worked up like neediness, like craving chocolate. I'm at Art Institute favorites, Velasquez's servant, her bashful attention fixed to place things just right. Beckman's self-portrait, whose fishy fingers seem never to do a day's work. The great stone lines outside, monumentally pissed by jumbo wreaths and ribbons, municipal good cheer yoked around their heads. Mealy mist, furred air. I walk north across the river. Christmas lights crushed on skyscraper glass. Bling stringing Michigan Ave. Sunlight's last gasp sighing through the artless fog. Vague, fatigued promise hangs in the low, darkened sky when bunched, scrawny starlings rattle up from trees, switch back and snag like tossed rags dressing the bare, wintering branches, black on black shining, and I'm in a moment more like a foremoment from the sidewalk, watching them poised without purpose, I feel lifted inside the common hazards and orders of things, when from their stillness the formal, aimless, not-waiting birds erupt again, clap, elated, weather-making wing clouds changing, smithereened back and forth, now already gone to follow the river's running course. W.S.D. Piero reading Chicago and December. This has been the Chicago Poetry Tour podcast. This was tour number two, the Art Institute of Chicago. The narrator was Scott Simon. The opening music is by the Deep Blue Organ Trio, used with permission of Delmark Records. The full tour with 22 sites is available for free. You can take the multimedia tour online or download audio files at poetryfoundation.org. I'm Ed Herman. Thanks for listening.